Holy God, author of the word made flesh, to whom belongs both the first word and the last, open us to your spirit. That as scripture is spoken and your word proclaimed, we may be comforted, convinced, and changed to the glory of Jesus Christ in whose name we pray. And let God's people say, Amen. Our reading today comes from Genesis chapter 38, verses 11 through 19 and 24 through 30. Judah said to Tamar, his daughter-in-law, Stay as a widow in your father's household until my son Shelah grows up. He thought Shelah would die like his brother's head, so Tamar went and lived in her father's household. After a long time, Judah's wife, the daughter of Shua, died. Then after a period of mourning, he and his neighbor Hira, the Adulamite, went up to Timnah to those who were shearing his sheep. Tamar was told, your father-in-law is now on his way up to Timnah to shear his sheep. So Tamar took off the clothing she wore as a widow, covered herself with a veil, put on makeup, and sat down at the entrance to Enam on the road to Timnah, since she realized that although Sheila had already grown up, she hadn't been given to him as a wife. Judah saw her and thought she was a prostitute because she had covered her face. He turned to her beside the road and said, let me sleep with you because he didn't know she was his daughter-in-law. She said, what will you give me for sleeping with you? He said, I will give you a kid goat from my flock. She said, only if you give me some deposit as security to guarantee that you will send it. He said, what kind of deposit should I give you? And she said, your seal, its cord, and the staff in your hand. He gave these to her, slept with her, and she became pregnant by him. Then she got up, took off her veil, dressing once again in the clothing she wore as a widow. About three months later, Judah was told, Your daughter-in-law Tamar has become a prostitute and is now pregnant because of it. And Judah said, Bring her out so that she may be burned. When she was brought out, she sent this message to her father-in-law. I'm pregnant by the man who owns these things. See if you recognize whose seal, cord, and staff these are. Judah recognized them and said, She's more righteous than I am. Because I didn't allow her to marry my son, Sheila. Judah never knew her intimately again. When she gave birth, she discovered she had twins in her womb. At birth, one boy put out his hand, and the midwife took it and tied a red thread on his hand, saying, This one came out first. As soon as he pulled his hand back, his brother came out. She said, You've burst out on your own. So he was named Perez. Afterward, his brother with the red thread on his hand came out, and he was named Zero. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Before we start talking about Tamar's rather interesting story, I wanted to start with where this series got its start. In the first chapter of Matthew, in the first few verses, a record of the ancestors of Jesus Christ, son of David, son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron was the father of Aram. Tamar. 
Tamar becomes the first woman mentioned in the New Testament. It's also interesting because normally there would not be women mentioned in a genealogy at all. The fact that women are included means that there was a purpose behind having their names listed. Normally you would just say, well, this guy was the father of this guy, and he was the father of this guy, and women were not mentioned. Except in Matthew. And in Matthew, we have five women that play a very integral part in understanding the genealogy of Jesus. And the first goes all the way back to Genesis with Tamar. And Tamar's story is not one that you would expect someone to want to reference if they are trying to say, look at how wonderful this person is and look at their lineage. Because I don't know that any of us would go, yes, here's a woman who pretended to be a prostitute and was impregnated by her father-in-law as the story that we'd want to put front and center. And the story itself can give us a bit of pause and a little trouble when trying to understand it in modern society. One of the first things is that Tamar was married to Judah's oldest son. And as Genesis tells us, he wasn't a good person, and he died. And it was then Tamar's right that she would be impregnated, become the wife of the next brother in line. And that that heir would be treated as the heir of her first husband. So that she would have someone to take care of her, that she would have someone who would take that inheritance. And she would be taken care of. The last time that we talked, one of the things we talked about was widows. And how they could easily be abandoned if they had no one left to care for them. And so this was a way to make sure that those widows were taken care of. That they would be married to the next brother in line. And if that brother died, as the next brother did, because he did not want to help give his sister-in-law a child. And we come to the third brother, and the third brother's too young. And Judah's starting to worry that he's already lost two sons. He's worried he's going to lose another to Tamar. Now granted, Tamar has done absolutely nothing wrong. He's just worried that maybe all of his sons are terrible, and this is how they're finding their end. And he tells Tamar to go wait. And so she goes to her father's house. And she waits and she waits and she waits and she waits for what has been promised to her. Her security. Her justice. And it doesn't come. So Tamar gets up and she goes. She hears Judah's going to be out tending to his flock. She's going to be shearing his sheep. She's going to go find out. She hasn't been given her hand in marriage to the youngest son. Now what does happen is when Tamar goes, she puts on a veil so she won't be noticed right away. And sure enough, Judah doesn't recognize her. 
doesn't recognize her to the point that he thinks that she's a temple prostitute. Tamar gets pregnant. And she keeps the cord and the staff and the seal of Judah. Now it's supposed to be she'll hold on to them until payment comes. Problem is, when Judah sends payment, Tamar's already gone home. Judah, hoping to avoid this entire embarrassment, just pretends it never happened and writes off everything that he gave as a deposit. Until he finds out that Tamar's pregnant. And she shouldn't be pregnant. She should still be in mourning. She should still be waiting to be given to that next brother. So he declares that she should be burned. And we find out that Tamar was very, very clever in her actions. Because she says, all right, if you want to know who did this, if you recognize this staff and this signet and this cord, I'm pregnant by the person that these belong to. And Judah has been put in his place. And he says something that we wouldn't normally expect to hear from someone talking about a woman who pretended to be a prostitute. Judah recognized them and said, She's more righteous than I am. Tamar is more righteous than Judah. One of the twelve heads of the twelve tribes of Israel. Because she remembered what she was owed. And Judah recognizes he had denied her justice. When I read Tamar's name in that genealogy, I can't help but think that she's there because of the justice she represents. Tamar was somebody who would have very little action she could take, very little recourse that would help her get justice. Because the just thing would be that she gets what was promised to her. A husband and an heir. So that she could live securely and get her inheritance. That she would be able to live out her days, not in fear of being abandoned, but in security that was owed to her and that was promised to her. But Judah didn't keep his word. And there she is, a woman, making her have less power than she would want. And on top of that, a widow, meaning she had even less power. But she doesn't just give up. She sets out and seeks a way to get justice. Whatever it takes, whatever she must do, she will do it because it is what she is owed. And I think she's in that genealogy, specifically listed as the first woman in the New Testament. Because Matthew recognized Tamar's need for justice and willingness to do whatever it took in Christ. Because Christ's ministry was all about seeking justice for those who could not seek it for themselves. 
about finding justice for people who didn't think that they could get justice. And willing to do whatever it took to make sure that people were taken care of, even if it meant dying on a cross. And we see that reflected in Tamar's own story. It may not be the ideal situation or the ideal outcome. But she did something that most couldn't. And she reclaimed what was rightfully hers. She reclaimed her spot, her dignity. She reclaimed her place. And she got what was owed to her. And she found justice. Even when others would want to deny her any sort of justice. And I think it's interesting because she's not the type of person you would expect to become the hero in the story. She's not the type of person you would expect someone to point out specifically in a family tree and go, yes, this is a person I want you to remember me by. But her story so greatly mirrors Christ's own ministry that she does become that important. Remember Tamar. Remember Tamar for the justice she sought and for what she represents. Doing right by those who are owed whatever it is you have promised to them. Tamar represents that we must keep our word because our word is all we have. And Tamar represents justice for the least and the last and that justice can come from unexpected people in unexpected places. Whether it's Tamar from the tribe of Judah or a Galilean with fishermen by the sea. Justice may not come from where we expect and who we expect. But when it comes, it comes swiftly and God is there to make sure that we understand that there is also righteousness. So as we remember and celebrate Christ, let us remember Tamar. The first of the women we'll be looking at as spiritual and physical descendants in Christ's genealogy and those who represent Christ's ministry in unexpected ways and in unexpected places. And let us look for the Tamars in our own lives. Amen.